0: We neglect to talk about the incredible work our columnists do away from the airwaves. Their expertise extends across many, many fields. Sometimes they work for a big company and sometimes they start their own, like our friend Marco Pasqua. Marco is the co-founder of Meaningful Access Consulting. Hey, congratulations, Marco, and welcome back. Thanks, Dave. I'm really excited to talk about this. (laughs) Yeah, I know the post came out a couple of weeks ago, so we were super pumped that we could talk to you about it on the air. And you've been working in the field as an accessibility consultant for a long, long time. But why did you want to start this company?
1: Yeah, so I've been in the field for almost a decade, uh, but the reason I wanted to start meaningful access consulting with my wife Karen is just that we wanted to finally be able to take our talents and combine them and work together. And for the longest time, all, almost ten years, I've been operating under the banner of Marco Pasqua Enterprises, which sounds really good. It sounds quite boastful, actually, but it was because I I wanted to create multiple brands underneath what I was doing when I started my business. And when my wife said she was really interested. Interested in getting involved in the business with me, she was already the universal design and accessibility specialist for the city of Surrey. It was kind of a no brainer when our daughter was born, that we create a brand that has more meaning behind it. When you when you're putting out requests for proposals or things like this, when you say meaningful access consulting, you automatically get what it is that we're going to be doing for you. And for us to be working together as partners in life and now in business, uh, we couldn't be more excited.
0: <laughs> I, I'm going to pick up on the word meaningful in a couple of minutes here, but even Hmm. in the name of the business, I'm sure this is somewhat implied, but every now and then it's worth understanding the baselines, the foundations. What kind of work will you be doing? Yeah, so
1: we work with designers, developers, business owners, small, medium, large, uh, you name it, across the country and and throughout North America to really assess the built environment through a universal design lens, also using our training as Rick Hansen Foundation Accessibility Certified Professionals. So this is really just a fancy way of saying we know how to read blueprints and work with designers and developers um, to really build beyond code. And in doing so, We want to actually help them to consider those things when they're looking at their buildings, their built spaces, even their virtual spaces. Now that we're working in virtual environments, Um, I also have an expertise in looking at HR policies and looking at inclusive employment, which you've heard me talk a lot about Mm -hmm, on the mm -hmm. show um, and my work with uh, previously with the president's group here in British Columbia. So uh, we really want to take a 360 holistic approach in supporting businesses and individuals to understand understanding universal design and building with all people in mind, regardless of your ability.
0: So Marco, we know there's a strong ethical purpose behind this kind of work. We also know there's a good business purpose behind this kind of work. But now there's also a legislative catalyst. Mm -hmm. So whether it be the Accessible Canada Act or provincial accessibility legislation, how essential will accessibility professionals be in developing and implementing policy in the decades to come?
1: I think it's going to be exactly what you say. It's essential. Uh, You know, I'm never a fan of just leading with legislation and people not understanding why something has been put into place. But I think that if you put accessibility professionals on your design and development team, even as part of your, your, your satellite team, as it were, even if you're a smaller business and you just want a second set of eyes for somebody who is applying potentially lived experience, if they happen to be a person with disability who's also an accessibility Professional, this is really crucial because that individual can look at some of your design and development ideas and actually give you insights before you ever break ground on, say, a new development, and and save you tens of thousands of dollars. But more than that, it's going to be able to help you to actually attract more customers to come in your door because people want to be shopping and and, and accessing services from places where they feel reflected in the community. And so the more that you see that individuals with varying abilities are able to shop there and actually get inside of your building, for example, that's probably a good indicator that you're more inclusive of all people. And and of course that's reflected as well in your HR policies, in, in some of the things that you do on social media or on your website. So having an accessibility professional, I think is going to be amazing because you're going to have an individual who has these insights um, as part of your team who can support you to build out your businesses
0: as you grow them, uh, whether you're a large business now or you hope to be in the future. Let's expand on that thought a little bit because we know some big companies have started to hire in-house accessibility pros or consultants, or certainly Mm -hmm. are doing lots of contracting out to consultants. So beyond sort of that, that beyond code, that we're talking about. And beyond physical accessibility plans and policy, I'm curious how accessibility pros might be able to help build culture.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting one. You know, I, I think that not necessarily every accessibility professional is created equal, and I'm not trying to throw shade on everyone out there, but <laughs> I think it's important to, to find somebody who you feel has the background and the skill set to understand what inclusive culture really looks like. You know, there's so many things to consider now in the environments that we go into to ensure that we're being inclusive of all people from different demographics, backgrounds, Uh, Colors and creeds. And I think that um, understanding somebody who's potentially worked in the space and knows exactly kind of the road that we're trying to pave when we're creating inclusive culture so that people feel included in in, uh, everything from the way you create policies um, to how you design your space, I think is going to be really, really important. And that's why I wanted to be able to apply my own uh, knowledge and skill sets that I gained through my experiences with the President's Group, the AccessibleEmployers.ca, as well as many other organizations who've really helped me to understand the ideas behind an inclusive culture and that it isn't just a checklist, so to speak, Um, because many times HR professionals, they'll say, well, we need to do this and they'll go to the CEO and the CEO will say, well, how much is it gonna cost me? And if you can give them a number that is reasonable, they'll say, okay, that sounds fine, let's do that. But I'm really here and my wife is here to really change the mindset. It's not about how many dollars you can save, it's how many people can you include. And I think that that is um, such an important thing when you think about it, because if you have, and you've heard me say this before on the show, Dave, buy-in from the leadership level, from the CEO level down, I think it's really important because then it just doesn't come off as this token sort of, okay, good, we've taken care of it now, but rather you understand why you want to make these changes. And if the CEO or business leader, founder understands that too, then people will realize, wait, they're not just about talking about it. They're about being about it. And I yeah. want to help to shape and
0: change their mindsets. Around on that i i think about that in so many companies that i've worked for some that love to really espouse inclusion and then they'll go out and buy a bunch of software products like in-house products soft, software products that are inaccessible right that, that they'll yeah. say we're all about inclusion we want people with disabilities to be a huge part of this company and then all of a sudden it's like well we bought this hr software it's not actually accessible but you know <laughs> well, what does it matter if the hr software is actually accessible
1: yeah, include people with disabilities as part of the conversation. You know, my biggest tip to um, business leaders is, you know, when somebody with a disability, if they disclose they have a disability, or even if they don't, in the interview processing process asking them, have there ever been any software or other uh, accommodations that you've had that have helped you support you in this role or a similar role that would help you to contribute to success in this company? You know, you're not necessarily saying, do you have a disability, but is there tips or tricks you can give us as an mm-hmm. organization that has supported you to help you do your job to the best of your ability. And it's surprising how much people will open up and come forward with, well, actually, I used this piece of software or actually if I had a standing desk that would help my hips or my back or things like this. So start to consult the people who are you're bringing into your organization because
0: they need to be as much of a fit for you as you're a fit for them. Marco, I mentioned that I was really struck by your choice of the word meaningful in the name of the business, because to me, meaningful is something that has to be considered as we move forward with accessibility plans and policy, because to me, that means that inclusion is more than just, as you said before, a checklist item. Meaningful is about holistic inclusion. Meaningful is about opportunities beyond the basic. Maybe I'm being a bit too philosophical. Am am I thinking too abstractly here? Not at all. Um, Karen and
1: I always say there's a difference between accessibility and meaningful access. You might uh, have somebody call and say, is your building accessible? And you say, sure, it is. Um, but that's because you have an accessible entrance that's at the back of the building next to a dumpster that they have to go into a loading bay, wait in the rain, and finally you let them in. And technically, they get in, they can get inside the building. But meaningful access goes a little bit further. It means that every single person who accesses your space can access it in the exact same entrance or way, and that you're actually considering things like the occupancy, who are the people who are using your space, um, what is the location of your building, is there accessible transit nearby in case the person doesn't use a vehicle and they need to have access. So um, from the Rick Hansen Foundation training, we learned that it's more than just the building itself when we're considering accessibility, it's the route to entry, it's your pathway, it's that moment you open your eyes and you say hey, I want to go to store X today. I wonder if I can get there. And that's really what it is. It's giving people the independence to understand what their accessibility needs are and really make it meaningful and powerful for them to kind of get back their independence and be able to live a normal, functional, good quality of life in our
0: communities. And that's only going to be done
1: if you're thinking about accessibility from a meaningful perspective.
0: Marco, you just launched the business a couple of weeks ago. I remember seeing the announcement on Facebook. I was delighted when I did. Where should people be going to follow along with the work you're doing at meaningful access consulting of course beyond joining us once a month Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah,
1: no, uh, uh, they can find us at meaningfulaccess.com. It's very, very simple. And we really hope that you do. We're so excited. My my wife and I are a husband and wife team, but we even incorporate our daughter, Stella, in the picture. Stella turned 18 months yesterday, 18 months old. And we actually bring her on some job assessments that we go on because we want to build and be part of spaces that consider moms and dads with strollers as well. How can you navigate the space? So we actually have our daughter featured predominantly on our website as a junior associate as part of our team. And we think it's adorable because we want people to understand that we are a family team. We want to build uh, organizations and and spaces for families and for people in the community. And this is exactly our way to do that. So my wife is so excited as well to
0: sink her teeth into this. And I couldn't think of a better business partner to work with me. Putting the family and family business through and through. Marco, before I say goodbye to you, I do want to ask... Ask you our daily poll question. We've done a lot of, of coverage so far today, talking about the cleanup of Hurricane Fiona in Atlantic Canada. One Friday, mm-hmm. we talked about disaster planning. Today, we're talking about just more generally the kinds of disasters that make us most concerned. So, at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook, we're asking folks what kind of natural disaster do you find most concerning? So, we've got options here, Marco, but obviously, you're welcome to go off the board. Hurricane, tornado, (laughs) earthquake, wildfire. Now, I know, obviously, for you folks out there on the West Coast, earthquakes have to be a massive concern.
1: Uh, And, in fact, that is my answer, Uh, simply because we've been told for decades now that the big one is coming here on the West Coast in Vancouver. And it does concern me because, you know, even insurance providers, they say that you're covered for earthquakes or potential damages, But are you really? So this is something that really concerns me. Um, And in fact, uh, we're going to sound a little bit like preppers, but my wife and I have an extra pantry here in my office with backup food supplies and things like this, just because we're prepared for in case power goes out, in case earthquakes happen. Um, So I really do think it's important, especially for us on the West Coast, to be prepared for these things. So personally, that would be my choice. um, And I hope... It never happens because if it does along the San Andreas Fault here, we may break off and become our own
0: new country. Who mm. knows? <laughs> yeah, you, you have two areas of concern, whether it be the San Andreas Fault a little bit San Andreas Fault a little bit further south of you, or even just being in the Cascadian subduction zone, which, right. which deeply impacts Vancouver Island, the lower mainland, Vancouver and most of the Pacific Northwest. So yeah, that's one that I know I know they, got, they do earthquake drills for students in schools in uh, in, in parts of BC.
1: Yeah, um, they, uh, there's a program here locally in the Lower Mainland called the Shake It Out program, and uh, they do it every single year. Um, they even bring simulator um, like RVs and buses where you can actually go sit inside, and then they actually shake it as though they're simulating that you're part of an earthquake, just to give you that idea. So when I was working with the city of Surrey very closely as part of City Hall, um, I would be a part of a lot of those emergency preparedness events, and I'm actually a, tra- a trained individual in emergency preparedness and supporting volunteer volunteers at recreation centres that are being converted um, to emergency sort of clinics and things like this. So I think that there's no shortage of time for you to learn a little bit more for yourself personally in whatever situation you're going to be in to understand the facets of um, being prepared for situations
0: like that. Marco, we appreciate your thoughts, your insight this morning. Have a great day and best of luck in the early days of this new business. Thanks. We're so, so excited. That's Marco (laughs) Pasqua. He's the co-founder of Meaningful Access Consulting. Meaningful Access Consulting is the name of the company, and MeaningfulAccess.com is where you can find out more. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Arthur Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air.